You are. And welcome to the Down in Front Podcast, <laughs> the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. If this is your first episode hanging out with us, we always want to start off with saying thank you for uh, hanging out and reviewing movies, TV shows, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, what we usually do here is we review a bunch of different things all over having an alcoholic beverage sometimes. Other times it could be just regular beverages, so it doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol. Uh, but tonight we're going to give you a full review of How to Train Your Dragon 3, but How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World. Um, so runtime is about 1 hour and 44 minutes, directed by Dean DeBlois. Uh, hopefully I said his name correctly, but probably not. Uh, but before we get into the actual movie, the spoiler section, we always try to add a bit of the stuff on our own of what else we've been watching and what we currently are drinking right now. So I'm going to toss it to one of my favorite human beings in the world, Brylin, the mouth of the South. What's going on, man? What you been sipping on? And uh, what else have you been watching? Hey, Warren. How's it going? Uh, that's awesome. Uh this evening, uh, I am drinking my Four Sigmatic coffee, so I am staying alert and awake with that. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, I checked out uh, this little sh- animated short that was released online by Pixar called Kit Bull. And did you see this, uh, Warren? Did no, you watch I have, this? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I saw uh, a couple of headlines about it, but I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. Yeah. Um, well... The neat thing about this uh, short is it's Pixar's first, what they call a spark short. So if you think of their shorts that they show before the Pixar films, uh, these are even lesser or lower budgets and even shorter stories that they're telling, usually about eight minutes or so. Uh, but they still have all the really cool creativity and feelings. I mean, essentially this one does compared to uh, something like Bao or Paperman and things like that. Um, but I, I like that they are doubling down on producing this type of creative storytelling. I think the shorts are probably the best thing Pixar has been doing the past couple years compared to the movies they've released. Um, And uh, I think that this is a really neat lead-in and a cool way to preview content that they're going to have as an example on their new uh, Disney Plus platform because uh, the Spark Shorts, this is released just to show people, okay, we're going to be producing this content on a regular basis for the Disney Plus platform which i think is a really neat preview to check out and it's definitely one of the more heartfelt stories they've told and it, it also gets very very dark so um it's definitely uh, a different style of uh, story that's told by pixar as well but still great 
I mean, that'd be cool. Just the fact that you said it's pretty dark. <laughs> I definitely want to check it out because I think that's one thing that I've always wanted a bit more from their movies and their shorts um, that we got from Bao, but at a different. That's why I love Bao so much because that was something completely different than we've gotten before. But as much as I, I don't know if I can agree with you that the digital shorts have been better than the movies recently, but I think I know what you. I think I know what you mean, especially because majority of these. Um, movies we've been getting from Pixar are all trilogies or you know another movie coming out from a sequel so it's something in the same universe and we haven't really gotten a feel of something fresh um, yeah. that hasn't it's, quite been done before anywhere else it's been a while yeah yeah other than that uh, I uh, tuned in for about the last half of the Oscars so uh, I was watching that um for the most part, I thought um, the Oscars went as expected. There were a few surprises. Okay. Uh, Green Book taking Best Picture, that probably very surprising to a lot of people. Huge surprise to me because I found out the next day when I woke up. I did, not, <laughs> I did not watch them. I was like, oh, really? Oh. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I haven't seen that movie yet, so I cannot judge if it's worthy of that best picture win uh, but congratulations to them on that uh, but also Alfonso Cuaron won best director almost fifth in the row for Mexican directors which is fantastic uh, and another probably my other big surprise was first man winning best visual effects <laughs> which was which is I mean cool like first man's an amazingly well created film and when it comes to visual effects yeah it's very it's not in your face like infinity war they do a fantastic job of just kind of blending the real footage from the moon landing into that story they were trying to tell as well yeah i mean um i didn't watch the oscars i had a couple thoughts but i really need to go back and listen to our uh previous podcast when we talked about the initial nominations I mean, watching Green Book and looking at the other best pictures, I really felt as though that it needed to go to favorite. Um, I liked Green Book. I really, really enjoyed that movie. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that's circling outside of the movie itself. Um, but, you know, about, like, how it came from, how the story became, how they treated the actual people. Um, but I really, really enjoyed and loved that movie, and I think that was at least exactly what we needed at the time. Um also, it's a, it's a nice reminder, at least to me, that everything's still not okay just because one movie or you drove a guy around for a little bit. Like, that could it, – it's, it's all about building and uh, kind of changing behaviors as a whole. So um, I enjoy the movie. I don't think it should have gotten best, best picture, but uh, as long as it wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, or Black Vice. I'm, or Vice. There's a lot on that list. That list needs, needs to go away. Um, <laughs> I'm a little – confused about the special effects and how they grade um, like we talked about before I'm so confused of how they're grading some of these winners and how they're judging these winners because um, the special effects for a spe- uh, special man first man was actually really really good for that that last sequence or you know when they went go up to the moon and shoot in the moon I think that was a phenomenal you know 20 25 minutes. But there's movies over two hours that's doing that probably better. So I don't know how they judge that, but I'm glad it won something because I know there's some other stuff that won best score that I don't think I 
um, went along with, but I got to look at the winners and see. Yeah. I mean, uh, best score was Black Panther, so. Yeah, no, I didn't agree with that. <laughs> Ludwig Gordonson uh, won that. It was neat to find out that him and, um, oh, who's the director of Black Panther? Uh, Ryan Coogler. Oh, okay. Um, that they're college buddies and they've been actually like working on each other's films for since they were in college. So that's that was cool. a neat little fact to learn. Right. Uh, but I I kind of like how they did the Oscars this year. Uh, they had I mean this is the one where they had no host, so it was just randomly getting celebrities to actually deliver the uh, nominations and uh, announce the winners and. Show and uh, announce the next like musical guests and stuff. So it's always kind of random. You don't know who was it, you were going to expect. So it was cool to see some pleasant surprises. Like I think Melissa McCarthy and Brian Tyree Henry did a funny like dress up part where they were doing best costume, which was funny. Um, but uh, I thought also they took some neat creative chances with introductions of uh, certain parts. So. For like the play for shallow, like you just start hearing the song play, and then uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga just like step out from the audience and walk up on stage and start singing, which is really it was done really well. So, oh. uh, and um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, this uh, Oscars actually flowed pretty well for not having a, a, a host to like fill in for like a big musical number. The, the opening number was very straightforward with um, Queen and Adam Lambert doing Queen songs and then at the end since Julie Roberts gave out the last award she just pretty much said I guess that's it. We're done. Have a great night and that was it. So Wow. <laughs> so, like weird. it was Neat ways of like cutting time. I thought, even though it still was super long. And I mean, I wonder if they're going to adopt this for from now. Like, I wonder if they're still going to be um, hosts or not, or what sort. Like, if their viewership went up or down because of there was no hosts, if it mattered at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pumped to talk about it. I know that we're probably going to be talking about the Oscars for a long time, especially now that it's in 2019. Um, still a bit surprised that "Won't You Be My Neighbor" wasn't on there. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that the Oscars is now behind us. Like, let's look forward and see what we got to see the if uh, Spider-Man the film Bow one. Which they better. I, I, I went and looked yeah. back. I'm like, okay, good. Like, because if Bow or Spider Man wouldn't have won, I was like, no. Incredibles two, no, 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 no. Well, Brylin, as always, it's great to see your face. Uh, it's great to have you on. I'm excited to get your thoughts and opinions for our, our movie that we're reviewing tonight, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. My name is Warren. I will be a host this evening. I am currently sipping on a vodka and sweet tea combination, which is pretty much standard now. It's pretty good. Um, and so I actually got an opportunity. I saw that uh, one of the original creators of the show, Jesse, uh, wh- which we usually talk about a lot, uh, he actually was um, talking about watching the Umbrella Academy on Netflix right now. Brylon, have you, t- have you seen it yet? I have not watched it yet. Um, I'm waiting to finish my other, like, mysterious, super-powered teen uh, Academy show first. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems to be like the trend this year in TV is like school of kids that have superpowers or uh, ex- incredible skills. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
But I think it's I think it's kind of funny. It's actually uh, yeah. really weird because uh, one of the reasons why I was into it, besides it like popping up everywhere, was one of the main guys played in Misfits on. Um, it's like a British. Oh yeah, Misfits is awesome. Yeah, British. Bunch of kids, superpowers. Super yeah, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was actually in that. So I was actually curious to see how he goes. Uh, how is he's doing an American kind of character? So that's kind of pretty cool. Um, overall, I'm only in season or I'm only in season one, episode two or three. Um, I think a lot of people are saying that you know there's a slow build up, and I'm like I'm not about these slow build ups. If they're an hour long each, that's three hours of my life that I can do elsewhere. I can do other stuff with. Uh, but it is still is pretty entertaining. Um, I think they leave in a good amount of uh, breadcrumbs, and they are kind of forming a story. Uh, it does seem that the story is a little bit messy or kind of all scattered, which could be because that you know it could be intended that way. So I'm curious about it. I'm going to kind of stick it out and watch a few more episodes. I, I think I do enjoy um, the actual season. Uh, I'd say if you uh, if you like that sort of super powered mystery solving. Um, Shows definitely go check it out. You know, on Netflix. I'm not entirely teenagers. sure how many teenagers. <laughs> yeah, if you like teenagers, uh, I'm not sure how many episodes. I want to say ten, maybe. I can look at. I'll have to look it up to see. But uh, definitely go check that out. At least uh, the Umbrella Academy that is on Netflix, and that is all I've been watching. So, as we usually like to do, I'm going to go and raise my beautiful, beautiful blue yeti. Um, as we dedicate a couple sips to our wonderful fans and uh, supporters and listeners. So, Mr. Brylin, who are you dedicating your sip to tonight? Uh, I'm going to dedicate my sip to one of the Avengers. I've been going to dedicate my sips to a lot of them, but uh, this one goes to the captain himself, Chris Evans. Not only is Captain America, but he's also a really nice guy in real life. And if you're watching the Oscars, when... Regina King uh, won Best Supporting Actress. She had trouble getting up the steps, uh, but Chris Evans was there to swoop in, offer his arm to her, and help her get up the stairs so she didn't fall over her dress or anything like that. So here's to you, Chris Evans, for being a gentleman. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Evans. What a sweetheart. Uh, I'm going to dedicate uh, my sips to the the one and only Emin Hall for being amazing uh, and having a great sort of a trip that we had last weekend. But the other big sips to goes to a place called the Covered Bridge Farm Table Restaurant and Bar in New Hampshire, where they serve me a delicious hot buttered whiskey. Brylan, <laughs> as a man who knows his whiskeys, <laughs> have you ever had a hot buttered whiskey before i have not had a hot buttered whiskey oh my goodness it had i've had a whiskey whiskey <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, well this one had like small because it was like an apple cider that they had like chunks of butter that was like in it but it was nope. it was quite delicious quite nope. delicious yeah nope. i will post i'll make sure i'll try to remember to post the photo or link everybody to my instagram because goddamn that drink was d- d- dangerous i only could have one but uh super boozy so hot buttered whiskey cider i think is the name of it is quite delicious here's my sip to you thank you covered bridge because that meal we had was amazing 
So, we are good to go on talking about review. So, if you have not seen How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, this is the time that we want to say, you may want to stop this actual recording. This is your spoiler warning, because we will be spoiling your movie from here after. So, hit pause, go check it out. Um, Definitely a family-friendly film, um, especially with the rush of movies that's going to be coming out really, really soon. So, if you want something a little bit different, a little bit earlier, definitely go check this out. Uh, Stay tuned for our full spoiler edition review of How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. And we are back, and we are the Down to Front Podcast. My name is Warren. I have Brylane, the mouth of the South, and we are giving you a uh, full spoiler edition of How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Again, if you haven't seen the movie, we will be b- ruining it and spoiling, so feel free to keep going if you like. Uh, as we usually do, we're going to break it up into a couple different sections, so we're going to talk about the acting and story, also how the story and the, this particular movie fits into the rest of the universe of How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, we're going to talk about a bit of the action, and we're going to talk about the FX, then we're going to leave off into our conclusions, usually when we talk about if you should or shouldn't go watch this movie and what other parameters kind of follow that question. So I'm going to toss it over to Mr. Brylin. And Brylin, talk to me about the acting and the story and just in general how this newest film kind of fits into the universe of How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, uh, so I'll start by saying the um, when I first saw How to Train Your Dragon, uh, when the first one came out a long, long time ago, um, I was curious about it. I thought it would be just like a nice fun, solid uh, animated film that wasn't like the Pixar blockbuster that year. Uh, and it was a movie I went and saw and I was definitely pleasantly surprised that it was a movie that was full of heart, full of story. It didn't talk down to its audience, which was really cool. And it was also a story that took risks. Like one thing that really stands out for me from the first How to Train Your Dragon is even though the hero uh, Hiccup wins at the end, he also sacrifices something. He loses something out of his journey. And I thought that was really cool to make sure uh, the audience saw that you might win in the end or you might triumph over a huge obstacle, but it also might cost you something. So don't be shocked if that happens. And in this case, it's Hiccup's leg. Um, the second film, I felt like it was more of a um, just more action adventure type tale, very plainly told and i feel that this movie kind of follows that same blueprint with the story um we still get the major characters here hiccup and astrid they they do a fine job like jay baruchel and uh america america v uh ferrera america ferrera yeah uh, she, uh, she's fine as Astrid. Um, nothing that I felt that I kind of extended or expanded on the characters, uh, in this movie. I mean, it kind of felt like everything they were going to do was pre-planned and everything is like, eventually we'll get to the wedding scene or eventually we'll get to the scene where we beat the bad guy. Yeah. And so it was kind of like the characters kind of just waiting for the next motion to happen. 
in it. So it felt a little not as heartfelt as the original movie felt. Yeah, I, I, I agree because it felt like they were kind of tipping their hand and not the greatest use of uh, foreshadowing. They were literally yeah. telling us what was going to happen. Whereas foreshadow is kind of hinting of, ooh, this is something interesting. They literally was telling us what was going to happen later on in the movie. Um, and I thought that was kind of a bummer. It was like, oh, that's that's weird. Okay, you, you've already told me what's going to happen, and I kind of show that. So thanks, I guess. Um, the one bum, the thing that I was kind of bummed about, especially in regards to Astrid and um, Hiccup, was I wanted to see more of that character growth, but it really felt like Hiccup's mother was just telling Astrid what to do. And yeah. she didn't come up with those ideas for naturally herself, right? She was trying to kind of be motherly to Astrid to kind of get her on that particular kind of path and instill more leadership. And maybe she's trying to say instead of the mom telling this, the, the son what to do, how about Astrid would just tell Hiccup and how to install, instill his confidence? But why couldn't that – why couldn't that be different? You know, I was really curious to see maybe – Hiccup doesn't need to be the chief. Like, I, let's break down some of these things that you already started doing in movie one to make a movie three a bit more entertaining because it did feel a bit stale. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as like some of the side characters, um, I did like uh, some of the humor they tried to instill in the movie, like um, with uh, was it Snot Loud and Roughnut? I mean, they're they're funny twins, but. Their, their shtick also wears really quickly. Like, I mean, the first couple of times, I like Snot Loud's whole thing about his full grown beard. And then after the third time, I was like, okay. And then the fourth time, okay. And yeah. then it just got annoying. And then when they finally do something with the joke, it's like, all right, I guess you did that. Yeah. So they, they kind of beat the those little jokes down with a baseball bat, so it's it's kind of bad. Uh, but I did like how Roughnut was just like uncontrollable, like talk box, and was just constantly talking and talking. And I found it funny that they got her in a room with like the main bad guy, and when she was talking, talking, he he was probably pretty much expressing what the audience was feeling at the same time through that entire. Uh, scene, but I felt like that was one of the more entertaining scenes of the movie as well, because of that reason. Yeah, I guess my only bummer thing is that we've seen this bit multiple times, and now that we saw it in this movie, we've seen this bit multiple times done better. Um, and it's kind of a, it was just kind of a bummer. I think one of the last ones, Despicable Me, did it, like multiple movies too. And so we, we can kind of get it, it's kind of funny. Um, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, talking about Roughnut and I can't remember her brother's name. It's not loud. It's not loud. Yeah, like, they just, they introduced this joke and then they spend the next 90 minutes beating this joke into you as if this is not the third movie. And I can, I get if these jokes are starting from movie number one and then this is the conclusion of it, but. It just felt like this is a new joke that they introduced into this movie that they just couldn't – they didn't want to give up. And I just felt like it was a lot of, it was a lot of filler, um, especially the entire sequence with Roughnut and Grimmel talking. 
it, it just seemed like that was filler. They didn't have anything else to do, so they wanted to put an annoying sequence into the movie. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's uh, one thing about this movie that uh, really hurts it is that um, nothing really exceptionally stands out besides from the visuals of this movie. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even when we're introduced to Grimmel, when he first unveils, like, his mask, or takes off his mask and shows his face, it's like, he pretty much looks like a carbon copy of Count Dooku. Um, <laughs> and, like, having the other three, like, greedy, uh, like, Viking um, uh chieftains there that kind of look like they all come from like the separatist planets and stuff and you're like I've seen this movie before (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I thought we like I I felt pretty bad because I think one of the things I wanted to do was rewatch the first two movies before watching this one and so when Grimmel pops up and he does his huge like reveal and we get some of his backstory I'm like oh shit, am I supposed to know who this person is? And then as the movie go along, you're like, oh, maybe maybe not? Or maybe it was something that was like lightly mentioned in the first movie? Can you remember anything about this character and his family at all? Because it seems no. to be like, it was this huge thing as him killing these um, oh crap, what's the name of uh, Toothless Dragon? Um, he's a, he's, uh, he's a Dark Fury. Night Fury. Or Night Fury. Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe it has something to do with his family going way back from the movie number one, but nothing paid off. And so it it just feels like they were inserting a lot of stuff trying to extend a story that had a pretty good ending already. And I'll, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But it was like, hey, we have a really great idea, but we don't know how to get from point A to point B. For B, oh, for, we're, there's something in the middle that we have to figure out, and that's yeah. the moments that we're filled with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there, there are times like I found it weird how they handled Grimmel because um, he's built up to be like this ultimate like dragon hunter, dragon killer, badass, and we barely get to see him kind of. Uh, show that. I mean, all his things that we see are like, oh, he's already, he's already, his plans are into effect because you've already walked into the room with him, and so, oh, surprise, the ambush is happening now, yeah. and that was like pretty much the mo for his whole character the whole time. Like, he even has these very unique dragons that he calls dragon hunters that he's tamed to his uh, with their with their own chemicals that they actually produce and um and it's interesting to see yeah this is a kids film but you have these scorpion like dragons that have these stingers and everything but they never use them because it's a kids movie and so the only way you see like what they're actually capable of is through these little needle darts that knock out dragons so it was kind of weird to see all these kind these safe choices being made for the sake of just uh, making sure the movie is family friendly and wholesome, especially when you have we're talking about Vikings here, um, raiding <laughs> boats and everything free and dragons uh, Hiccup has a flame sword um, that he built on his own <laughs> Hiccup Skywalker <laughs> um, and he he swings it, but he never hits anybody with it. He just when the opening happens, he like will bonk him on the head with the hilt, and then they're knocked out. Surprise! Uh, so I felt like it uh, kind of 
made the the uh, movie feel like kind of like a old direct to DVD sequel because yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, that they weren't. It felt like they weren't confident enough to kind of go with the maturity that they established in the first film. Should it be Hiccup Dondarian? <laughs> Hiccup Dondarian. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, like that's a excellent, excellent analysis. That is like the perfect feeling I was getting of. I don't think that's a great move for a PG, PG-13, maybe PG-13 movie. Um, it was just weird. And even some of the jokes when his friend's trying to hit on his mother and it's like, why are you yeah. putting that in the movie? That's I get the marriage talk and that's funny, but what? Uh, and then the sheer amount – the I just guess the sheer amount of dragons that they just – really felt like they needed to tell us that dragons are captured and we need to learn more and more about their species and each and every type of species, where they just threw that out of the window here. And especially a dragon who spits up lava type of flames that has a stinger. Yeah, acid has a stinger, but their venom in their teeth somehow is a tranquilizing agent. But also at the same time controls people's minds if they yeah. wear it. Like, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> just gi- just give me one of those. I just need one, and I'm okay. Don't just throw it all in there and try to figure some shit out. Um, and yeah, that's typically a directed DVD. Is yeah, they can just do whatever they want. They're gonna cast a paycheck anyway, right? That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I also felt that kind of like it was it was bad that they leaned into a lot of that stuff because I think the more interesting part of the story uh, suffered from that because it kind of played second fiddle to this story of Grimmel and him trying to kidnap all the dragons, which was looking for the home of the dragons, the hidden world. And um, I found that that was also uh, something that, even though the Hidden World felt kind of like going to Pandora, seeing that alien yes. world that uh, you never saw before that's neon beautiful and glow-in-the-dark and everything, and it still looked amazing, <laughs> like all those worlds do. Um, but I felt like there was a huge opportunity where they could have explored like what makes the Hidden World so special. Why is it this the place where dragons come from? Um, if this was where Hiccup uh, wanted to take his people because they're the ones that have learned to live with dragons, uh, what will that mean if they have to live in this more unique ecosystem? And what does it mean to the dragons for that? So I thought they could explore it a lot with the Hidden World, but all we get is like about five minutes there to see how pretty it is, and then we're gone. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> No, we don't even see it at the end. No, they're not going to show us. They're just going to show us the rock that Hiccup just so happened to be super conveniently at the end of this movie. So it's like, come on, man. Come on. Show me better. Be better. Absolutely. (sighs) Yeah, man, like... I, I can't agree with all of the actual statements he said. I, I, I guess that my biggest thing was it just felt like this entire movie was just so watered down and very poorly constructed. I mean, we're it's it's very easy 
to poke holes, and it's not even poking holes. We're just sitting there and pointing and says, this is a problem um, on this actual movie. And if you're introducing this villain that we talked about, Grimmel, right, when we talk about the acting story, it... I'm trying to. I was really trying to piece together. Okay, what exactly was his plan? Because he enjoys the hunt, apparently. Um, so he's going to basically let the light fire. The light fire. Light fury. Thank you. Light fury. He's yeah. just going to let the light fury free. Some, but set a trap for Toothless to try to catch him. What a random t- tranquilizer that's just sitting on the ground. But that didn't work. So he was trying to like make him fall in toothless fall in love by releasing the light fury. Yeah, Did his he know uh, that he was gonna come that they were gonna fall so then he knew he was gonna fall that they were gonna fall in love that at a time he's gonna go back and lead them to everybody else to capture but then why uh, it, it just didn't make it, it was way too complicated I'm yeah. like oh man it was so weird it was like even when Grimmel was trying to explain it he would it was almost like they cut off his sentence so they didn't have to worry about a clear cut explanation because yeah. he was talking about like when when uh, Night Fury's mate they made for life and that's all we get from him and everything else is just like oh let's just see where everything happens and it'll just neatly fall into place that uh, Toothless and his new girlfriend get into trouble and uh, Hiccup has to save them. So. It just, I mean, like in the last couple things I want to say about Grimmel was even his plan to infiltrate and like he somehow infiltrated their society but they were already springing a trap on him. He goes, no, 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 I have the upper hand. No, you don't. What do you mean? You don't have the upper hand at all. All you did was call your dragons, and they just burned down the place. I don't think that's a win for you, my friend, but I guess he was just trying to kind of drive them out. The one thing I did have a a big issue with, though, was the mind-controlling drugs um, or the venom that was coming from these weird dragon scorpions. And the fact that the Light Fury at the end was being controlled because he had like a weird head contraption on her. And he like stuck it in her head. Yeah. But Hiccup was able to just slide that right off and she was fine. So I'm like, wait, was the mind control being in the contraption or was it being stuck in their actual head? I'm I'm not ex- exactly sure. Well, you know, you can yeah. shake it off after it's <laughs> out of you. Yeah, but then I'm not sure. I was like, then why are these dragons being controlled uh, uh, just pick one i i would just so take him back it was just so weird for me yeah overall the story felt messy um the plot was really easy uh, also felt a bit messy they didn't seem that they knew what they necessarily wanted to do it felt like some character was just leaving for the sake of leaving like his mom one time one time goes hey i'm gonna leave to make sure we weren't followed you, you just got there. What do you mean you got to make sure you're not followed? You should have been doing that the entire time. You should be a better hunter than that. 
Uh, yeah. So it, it, it was rough up was just like I I never looked behind. <laughs> right? I was like, okay, funny. I, I I get that. And then obviously she's gonna be followed, but it's kind of weird. Uh, it definitely felt like they had an idea of how this movie wanted to end, and I think their idea was, what if Toothless and Hiccup meet when they're older? in their parents and they have new perspectives and whatever, right? And I think that was their end goal, right? To see Hiccup with a beard, uh, married to Astrid with children, and we see Light Fury and Toothless married with children, and they have that meeting at the mo- at the end. Um, and I think they had that thought of this is how they want the movie to end, and they just have to figure out how to get from point A to point B. Um, and to put little fuzzies, and I, I, I saw that coming, so I saw the little fuzzes coming on um, Hiccup's face, and I was like, I'm sure he's going to yeah. have a beard <laughs> at some point in this flash forward, so I'm just waiting for it. So, and this felt was kind of boring. Uh, it was kind of, it was kind of a, a bummer. Um, I wanted them uh, to take a bit more risks. I wanted them to uh, be a little bit different. Uh, I really, really was feeling... I really wanted Hiccup to die during that falling sequence. Not because I want people to die, but I think it would have been also pretty much... Well, sometimes. uh, (laughs) I think it would have been a a pretty fitting way for this movie to end. This entire thing to end, right? Like, we see Hiccups, and he he has to overcome the loss of his mother. Then... flips it around, he had to overcome the loss of his father, now he's now have to deal with not only overcoming the loss of Toothless, but everything else that happens, right, and Asterix can go and lead in the village, and then I think it would have been even more impactful if Asterix would have been sailed to the dragon, you know, the hidden world, and made connection with Toothless, and it's her children that's touching Toothless, and I think that would have been a more impactful moment. Um, what we got here was safe, like you said, Brylan, and it was kind of yeah. it was kind of a bummer. Um, and I guess the last thing I did have a bit a big issue with this movie, and I guess it goes on more of the acting and the characters is it definitely felt like they kind of treaded on their own movie number one, as in. We know that it's okay to be different, but you should still try to be like everybody else. And when Hiccup like sacrifices his leg, and we see that um, Toothless is kind of he doesn't he doesn't have like another tail, so he can't fly. So maybe like a prosthetic, and it's okay to have prosthetic limbs, and you can be just like anything else. And they they imbued that uh, a sense of confidence in yourself to be different in movie number one. Whereas everything in this movie felt like they were just, you know, you don't have to worry about that. I can build you something really, really quickly. Like, this was mind-blowing to me. Like, oh, weird, you need to learn how to fly? Well, instead of me just building this because I knew how to do it, I'm just going to randomly put this tail on you, uh, Toothless. And now you have all the ability to fly with no training, no anything, you're good to go. And I was like, oh, wait, hold up. Like, you just built him a tail and then that was it? Like that's that's a little silly. Like you gotta you gotta you gotta act a little bit better uh, on that one. And it just it just seemed like everything had to just be so normal. Like they have to live yeah. in a normal society. They have to do things because it's what they usually do. I understand that they were moving out of their home to another home. Definitely Thor Ragnarok esque. Like yeah, we've seen that before. Um, but it just felt like they just didn't really do anything. Um, to really highlight why it's okay to be different. 
And yeah. I really had a big issue with that. So what do you got for me for the action and the visual effects of this movie, Brylon? Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I'm just going to plainly say that the visual effects of this movie are fucking beautiful. Um, this is one of the best-looking movies I've seen uh, recently. I mean, it's definitely up there with Alita and uh, Infinity War for its visual effects. And what's amazing about it is the moments that we actually get the best storytelling is in the actions of how they use this animation and effects. Like I, all through this movie, I was getting the same feel I got. They did such a well, a good job of displaying the emotion of the characters through the animation, the effects that I got this feeling of like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually watching these dragons with these characters. Like, I can get a feeling like these characters, even though they look very hyper-realized action figures brought to life, I can still see how much awe and surprise and amazement they see when they see dragons. And it was, I felt that that was really cool that they were able to capture it that way that you would actually not only feel like, Oh, I'm seeing amazing things, but it's like, I'm seeing these amazing human beings that are not real. Also look at other amazing things. And so it actually had this really cool, um, just heightened sense of, uh, hyper realism to it that I really appreciated. Uh, even when they were doing like everyday things, when they first reveal, Burke in this movie um, and you see all the dragons and it's actually beautiful and everything and then you start to look closer and everything you see like traffic jams of how to like trying to walk it down the roads and stuff and people bumping into objects and breaking things and you're like oh they meant very well but now it's actually become a huge burden for them and that's like amazing like that's amazing and uh visual detail that you can build a really cool story off of that they did have this challenge of like how can humans and dragons live together without um, or and not get into each other's way at the same time which I think it could have been a very cool uh, theme to the story but for some reason they ignore all this amazing animation that's happening in this movie for a very milquetoast story yeah. <laughs> that's a great that's a great line milk toast yeah, yeah. man it's it's it, it is a bit of a bummer um because i think we've started to see and i think we've said this the last couple of reviews is that the like the movie looked great looked phenomenal but it just lacked everything else of what a movie is made of um and i i think you're absolutely right like the story like Besides the story and the the, air, the characters and the acting that we just you know recently talked about, the visuals really does tip your hand to this is what you should be focused on, because Burke looked great, uh, the hidden world looked phenomenal. It was like a mix between Atlantis and a mix between um, Coco's world. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really like that, like kind of blendedness that they kind of put in in there, which is pretty cool. Again, I would have loved to to be there and just have a conversation there. Um, but yeah, like everything else, it 
didn't seem like they, they, they really kind of focused on and care too much of the visual aspects. Like, Grimmel's lair was, didn't care, and like the gang's hideout didn't care. Like, there were some shots of the, the, uh, of the water with all the ships that I thought was pretty cool, but I feel like the story was there just by what you put on the screen, and they chose to, for some strange reason, go a different way. Yeah, like, I mean, there's points, uh, especially when it comes to the dragons and their behaviors. Like, I loved how they animated the dragons. I love how all the dragons have all their own unique quirks and differentiation to them. Um, I wish they could have explored a little bit more of, like, the hidden world to kind of give us um, understanding of why all dragons are such a diverse range. I think that would have been pretty neat to try to explore that. Um, but um, I, I did love, like, they took this time to kind of have Toothless be a main character with his own, like, moments in the movie, especially with the Light Fury and their little scene on the beach where he's trying to figure out how to do a mating dance with her. I thought it was, like, one of the more charming uh, scenes of the movie. Uh, and it was, it just uh, also na- uh, nailed, uh, like, kind of, like, hiccups in Toothless's friendship. Like, they trust one another so much that when it comes to him meeting, like, the girl of his dreams, that he would trust Hiccup to help him out with that. Yeah. Which was funny but also very sweet at the same time and uh i the more and more they like spend time like showing like uh toothless and the light fury fly around together and everything i was telling myself i would rather watch this as a short about what happens (laughs) to toothless after how to train your dragon 2 and make that number three and be done with it because yeah. all everything with Toothless and the life here was beautiful. Yeah, and it's a bummer. Like again, we've seen this story before in a lot of different instances, but it felt like they had they had it there with the visuals. They just didn't pull a trigger. Like we physically saw a silent scene in here, which I thought was great. And it's the same sequence you're talking about with Toothless, the Light Fury, and Hiccup in the bushes giving him signals. Entirely silent sequence that I felt definitely helped us build off of the visual effects, and that leads to story that we were talking about, and it makes sense why um, Hiccup's helping. But then we don't get that same storytelling and that same character beats and moments with Hiccup and Astrid. Like, we don't see anything that builds them closer together at all. If anything, they're just being basically friends and, oh, all all of a sudden you're getting married at the end. Like, what? So, um, it's just kind of a bummer that they didn't... I just don't know why they just did... They chose to not do that. Um, And it was weird that we didn't... We only really saw maybe a couple of dragons sort of like personalities just a little bit we got a couple of hints here and here and there but not much as that new that really small weird dragon that was like oddly popping uh like rep- oh, the, reproducing as quickly as the hobgoblin dragon yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i thought that was kind of a funny little bit that it kind of kept, yeah. kept coming back and i'm like we need that with all the dragons, like you, you have a surplus of dragons that you can easily do that with to give them like one little weird quirk. Um, you did it a couple times, but the weird thing with the baby too also felt kind of strange. So although yeah. it looked great, it just didn't make any sense. A lot of sense with some of the choices that they they chose to make and what they wanted to share. 
Yeah. And uh, the other thing I would just add about the effects is uh, I loved all the design and detailing on the costumes and everything. I, I like how the... Um, the these uh, these Vikings that have learned to live with dragons, their technology it feels kind of um, I would call it dragon punk, <laughs> where like yeah they use the scales for armor and everything, but they also have some advanced skills as well, like making prosthetics and uh, seeing uh, Hiccup actually uh, work on uh, Toothless's tail was really cool. Uh, but also like all their like weaponry and like just their armor they make and like I like the design that they have. Um, uh, Hiccup's fire sword is really cool, even though he doesn't use it that much. Uh, but I like the hang gliding suits, so showing that they're learning from dragons, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed the. Uh, I, I think you hit it right in that. Like there was one sequence, and there was a lot of small moments in this film that were absolutely stunning. And I'm talking about absolutely gorgeous when Astrid's dragon flying through the hidden world and we see that it completely changes color because of what's uh, around it, right? And that was like, oh man, like nothing needs to be said at that point. Um, Hiccup and Astrid's having a conversation and Hiccup had just finished, you know, creating this prosthetic for Toothless and he had to paint it black. I thought he would just paint it black, but he was making dragon proof. So already... They've done something amazing that says, hey, you need to, these things need to be black to make it dragon proof so it doesn't burn. That's something that they incorporated within the first like five, ten minutes of this film, which I thought was cool. The way that they took it to the next level, though, is not only do they need to paint it black, but it's how they're going to paint it black with the scales. And we see Toothless kind of scratching and some of the scales fall off of him. Asher picks him up, put him in a bowl. Toothless spits in the bowl that. Like melts them down, and you see with um like a mortar, right? Mm-hmm. You see with like with a mortar that uh, uh, hiccup is like grinding this into an actual paste, or grinding this into a paint. Switches out, uses a paintbrush to literally paint over, and you can see that it's wet and dry, different paint on the yeah. tail. It's the the detail was absolutely stunning. I was sitting there just completely taken back i could care less what you're saying at that movie just that one sequence was so beautiful i'm like wow these small moments is where you really need to shine and i felt like it's backdrop and it was a bummer that it was such backdrop even although it's silly that whatever dragon hunter scorpion dragon their spit or like their saliva was catching on fire after it makes contact with something so it looks like it was acid but yeah. they ignite on fire. And so I'm like, that is crazy. That is a great sort of concept to try to like wrap your head around and like show to me on screen. I just want – I'd like somebody to be like, oh, would you look at that? Or like have some appreciation for it here because it just felt like, oh, yeah, this is like normal what we do. And if it's normal, that's okay. Have more things like that throughout the movie so we as the audience can marvel at these things that you're doing. It's kind of it was kind of a bummer that it felt like they just kind of ignored and kind of passed up on those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the visual effects like it's not necessarily about the grandiose stuff. I mean, it, the small moments definitely shine through there. Like you mentioned, like I was I was blown away by like the the tail painting scene. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, and um, I thought it was uh, 
really cool, like all the uh, effects, like whenever the light fury would actually make herself go invisible by shooting the fireball out and just flying through the fireball, I thought was a really cool effect. And I like how Toothless like created this own, this new effect where he's almost Godzilla's out and is able to spark and turn invisible that way. So I thought that was also some really neat effects that they had. I really enjoyed that effect. I just couldn't turn my brain off to say, wait, what? <laughs> well, yeah, what's yeah. the purpose of yeah, it? What? Yeah. what, what? <laughs> how does how does she Well, it help him get the jump on Grimmel, so... Yeah, but like, how does she know? Already know how to do that, but he doesn't. And I then I guess it's anybody who's touching you also becomes invisible because that's how Hiccup became invisible in the end. There was just a lot of hmm, moments. I was like, wait, hold up, what just <laughs> happened here? And why? But why? Uh, I I did enjoy it a lot. I thought it because was like some, because <laughs> dragons, right? Right. I thought it was like some some uh, weird uh, super speed that he was doing, which I thought was kind of weird. Like because it also looks like he's kind of broke like a barrier uh, when they were going through the actual smoke ring. So um, I thought that was kind of a pretty cool. I really did love the visual. Um, aesthetic of it and the overall look but again it was I really love the visual but does that make sense? No, no. It, does, it doesn't make <laughs> sense and it's tough to get behind something that you're just doing for the sake of it looks cool because then at that point I'm not, I don't want to watch this movie you know yeah so uh, we talked about the action and effects, and we talked about the acting and the story, all the things about how it fits into the universe. So, Brylin, give me some lasting thoughts and a bit of a conclusion. As you watched already, you know, the How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World, would you recommend this movie? Would you not recommend? And if you would recommend, what's another movie would you tell people to watch beforehand? Uh, so yeah, so How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I found it to be an enjoyable film. It's uh, definitely very wholesome, and it has some fun moments. I just feel like uh, it doesn't really bring anything new to the table and feels very cookie-cutter in its story and plot, but still worth seeing if you do want to see some amazing visuals. Um, but um, I would say, like... Other than this film, definitely go back and watch the first How to Train Your Dragon because that is a phenomenal film and has a fantastic story to it that is all about um, like being different and learning how to come to terms with that, but also making sure that that's your strength, that your differences are your strength as well. So um, it's really cool uh, movie. Definitely watch it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I can recommend this movie to go watch it unless you have nothing else to, you know, to do. Um, I think we had talked about and muttered before that there's just a lot of stuff out there. Um, this movie's almost two hours long. I saw it in Dolby. What kind of uh, format did you watch it in? Uh, I saw it in Dolby as Dolby? well. Okay. So I know there's like 3D budgets and there's some 3D stuff that's out there. I mean, it, it, it's probably a very, very enjoyable movie for children or somebody who's like bought into it. Um, if if you're not bought into it, I wouldn't recommend this movie. Um, I'm not saying that it's bad. It was just it, it was pretty much of a mess. Uh, if you take the visuals out, a lot of things just didn't make any sense and didn't hold up. Um, and exactly what Brylin said was, I just say to go back to rewatch number one and sort of just forget that number two and three came out because it felt like it just kind of kept getting worse and worse um, yeah. as the uh, the time kind of went on. So uh, a bit of a bummer, but I guess that some of these times, uh, some of these sort of sequels and um, 
trequels or trilogies, sometimes it tends to kind of lose a bit a bit of heart. So, uh, kind of a bit of a bummer. So I don't think I can recommend this movie. And with that. We are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for tuning in. Mr. Brylan, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me putting a fresh coat of dragonproof uh, paint on my tweets at Twitter, at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. That way, when they come with the uh, pitchforks and the torches, that <laughs> I am safe. Uh, but also, uh, you can find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at IamBrylan. That's always fun as well. Nice. Check out more of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com where you can see our bios, you can see our video teasers. We got a, a couple of different links up there um, with our GameCast information. So we have that link for our Twitch. We also put some information in for some of our live streams from our YouTube. So we have lots of information on there, downinfrontpodcast.com. If you're on social media, we're literally everywhere. Search for us, downinfrontpodcast.com, on Twitter at underscore JFP. Facebook is facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. I mean, we're on Reddit. Uh, we're on Spotify, so if you like a streaming, because I know Brylan's a huge fan of streaming, uh, we are actually are streaming, so we're on the Play Store, we're on Spotify, definitely go check us out, feel free to subscribe, um, please rate us on um, iTunes, it's also helpful, and if you like what we do, you want to become a supporter to have early episodes and bonus content, consider joining us being a Patreon, patreon.com, so that's down in front of podcasts, anything and everything's helpful, so we appreciate everybody um, kind of hanging out, Brylan, what are we reviewing next week? Uh, we are still trying to decide what we're reviewing <laughs> next week. Uh, but we might consult our biggest fan at White Mocha LI. Oh. See if they know what we should watch. <laughs> we need to hit up this at White Mocha LI. I heard this dude's pretty cool dude. Yeah. They uh, they try to get White Mocha, but unfortunately the person that owns White Mocha um, tried to steal some dragons. And he met an unfortunate end because of that. Now we can't get to, uh, or someone can't get to the White Mocha account. Man, we got to figure that out. So check him out at White Mocha Li uh, on Twitter. Uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, we will see you later. Bye. Bro, what was that? And why did it they keep weird. doing that? You 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 said it